0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger.
1: What an event the roast and toast of Thomas Holmstrom and Nicholas Lidstrom was! So much happened. It was his. My face hurts from laughing, first of all. Every single one of the guys up there crushed, hysterical. But I will say the most illuminating. And fascinating part of the night was watching Evan play blackjack at a live blackjack at a casino for the first time and seeing just how quickly his money gets deleted. I'm, li- <laughs> I'm literally never going to a casino ever again,
0: unless it's for another charity event.
1: It was, he kind of said it was really late in the night and uh, Evan turns to me and Matt S, one of our, our patrons and a good friend of ours. Uh, and he's like, I kind of want to try blackjack. And I, Laughed a little bit because I figured, oh man, it's like one something. Evan wants to go to bed. And then he was like, he said it again. I was like, oh, Evan really wants to do it. I was like, okay, well, if you want to play, I want to play. Well, uh. Five minutes later, we're <laughs> out of money <laughs> yeah. and
0: uh, I was against all of the gambling.
1: Yeah. We went to, uh, we actually did go to bed soon after that. Funny enough. It was in Blackjack's a funny game. Like there's statistical like odds and moves you're supposed to make and followed them almost to the T. And yeah, just uh, the swiftness with which the dealer just took the chips away—it's
0: so nonchalant and it's just what? transactional. It's like, oh, okay, I guess there goes there goes my twenty-five bucks or whatever it was.
1: Yeah, your eyes getting wide when you didn't even get to see a card because he just showed blackjack and he's like, "Well, you lose." <laughs> he took the chips away. You just, I—you looked like I, as if you're going to try to take them back.
0: Yeah, it was <laughs> awful. I don't know why anyone enjoys that.
1: Well the rest of the night was a massive massive success uh kudos to the jamie daniels foundation everyone who attended uh the red wings who were there it was yeah was blown away i know ken uh lisa and the foundation were blown away so yeah what a night we'll get into more of that later though but folks welcome to the winged wheel podcast here to talk to you about all things detroit red wings hockey the world of the nhl and lots more i am one of your hosts ryan hannah i'm brad crisco and i'm evan on this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast, we have some contracts to talk about. First and foremost, Joe Valeno, the final remaining RFA holdout, not really the right word, but the final remaining RFA for Steve Eiserman to sort out, has signed in Detroit. And, you know, even though that's not ever or that wasn't ever supposed to be a big deal, it was still surprising the way that turned out. So we'll get into that. And then some actual big deals came through the pipeline in the NHL. Obviously, Austin Matthews set a new league high in terms of AAV contract. The Hagel contract was surprising to people. And uh, there's some more that came through there. We'll talk about some prospect pipeline rankings from Corey Priman and his excellent work at The Athletic and what that means for the Red Wings and their future. Kind of a good window into the overall uh, prospect pools team by team. And, and we'll talk about how Detroit has gotten there, what that means moving forward, their draft pools, etc. And then whatever else we get into overtime. Before that, I want to let you know a couple of things. First of all, this podcast is supported by our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash podcast. Our patrons allow us to do everything that we do on this show, from supporting the Jamie Daniels Foundation uh, through, you know, for example, the roast and toast of Thomas Holmstrom and Nicholas Litstrom, or Winged Wheel Podcast Nights at the LCA in partnership with the Detroit Red Wings. All of that is only made possible by our Patreon supporters. Additionally, we've expanded the Winged Wheel Podcast content network to include the show Expected by Whom, hosted by Prashanth Iyer and Sean Shapiro. Please give them a listen and give them a follow-up as well, and uh, pretty much everything else that we do to constantly try to improve this show. So patreon.com slash Podcast. If you want to support the show, there are a ton of benefits. We'll get into that on the other side of the episode, uh, but for all of you who do support, thank you, thank you, thank you. Secondly, the Jamie Daniels Foundation is a organization we are so, so proud to support. Uh, They just do incredible work to end the stigma and fight substance use disorder, uh, especially in the Michigan area. And, you know, seeing the turnout and the amount of support shown at the Roast and Toast last night was remarkable. So to learn more about their mission and and the great work that they're doing, go to jamiedanielsfoundation.org. We are going to announce our newest season of our Wings Money on the Board initiative in which we raise money for the Jamie Daniels Foundation, we see how much we can kind of put forward and we'd like to to set another record this year in terms of how much we can raise to end substance use disorder. So jamiedanielsfoundation.org, check them out. They do amazing work uh, and that was founded by Lisa Daniels Goldman and Ken Daniels, obviously lead announcer of the Detroit Red Wings. So the Joe Valeno contract, I think there was a unanimous across all of us, huh? That was cheaper than I thought. Reaction when his deal came through. And not that Joe Valeno was ever going to sign, you know, super long-term in Detroit with this contract. Not that he was going to make much. I don't, I don't think people were expecting it to start with a two, for example. But Joe Valeno signed a one-year deal at $825,000. Didn't even break a million. I don't think this is necessarily an indictment of Joe Valeno. And it maybe doesn't really say much more than Steve Eisman always grinds his guys, especially when he has leverage. And he did because Joe Valeno was a restricted free agent, not an unrestricted free agent. So the team has, you know, control there. And Joe Valeno hasn't exactly cemented his spot in the lineup long term. But still, it says something, right?
2: It does, but I don't know who's talking. Because if you look at the history... I'll just say recent history of Iserman signing contracts with players in Valeno's position along Valeno's timeline. The two that jumped to mind were Rasmussen and Zadina, and neither of them had broken out at the time of the contract, much like Joe Valeno hasn't, and maybe never will, but hasn't to this point. And both those years were, uh, both those contracts were three years. Uh, for a little more money than this, uh, you know, I don't think either of them really broke the bank. But, you know, decent chunk of guaranteed change for those guys. And obviously it didn't work out with Zadina, but it did work out really well for Rasmussen. So I would not have been surprised if that was Eiserman's angle on this one. Hey, I'll give you a mil and a half, but I want this for three years, two, three years. So if Valeno does take that next step, he's got a bargain for a couple of years. Valeno could have said, nope. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I see what Rasmussen is doing right now, and I don't want to be doing that and getting paid that. So I I want a one-year prove-it deal, and then we can get back to the table. Or it could have been the opposite, where Eisman's less confident in Valeno than he was Zadina and Rasmussen at the same times. And he's like, I need you to prove something to me this year, because the depth is coming. And hey, I like Joe Valeno, but as he is right now, super replaceable player. Very replaceable. You would prefer to have a young guy like that lock down, you know, the three or four C spot for a while, just because then you have some continuity, some familiarity, whatever you want to call it. But if Valeno doesn't pan out, uh, let's be honest, it's not going to be hard to replace Valeno. So Eisenman might not have wanted to break the bank. So I don't know which side of this would have pushed the one year deal. I can see really good reasons for both sides wanting that. So this might have been the path all along obviously we're never going to know, but yeah, I uh, I think this is just a, okay, let's just see what happens this year and we'll take stock next summer.
1: Yeah, that's the part that leads me to believe that even though this did take a while and it didn't take forever, right? you see RFA contracts go into the preseason and beyond sometimes. So it's not like it was a holdout situation or it was a really big concern, but the fact that it does work out in some justifiable way for both sides does lead me to believe that this just kind of made sense like maybe Valeno wanted three years or something like that and that's what he was really pushing for and he said well if it's not three then i want one that's all just conjecture but i think you're right ultimately brad you see a rising cap i don't know that that's necessarily what Valeno's looking at probably just well then i'd rather take another year to really prove myself and then get the bigger dollar number because if Eisman was offering two years, but for not much more than that, then Valeno is a little bit more justified then to, to go for one year and bet on himself that way. And for Eisman, it's simple calculus. Like you, like you mentioned, Brad. He's been good. he's a good young player. He's got promise. He's not projecting to be a top of the lineup player. And I think, you know, Veleno's storyline in the NHL has been he needs some time to ramp up, but once he gets up to speed, he does. Do a lot of things really well he's not blowing the roof off the building he's not producing a ton but he is kind of showing that he can be a pretty good player but he hasn't dug his heels in yet he hasn't locked it in if I were a betting man which after last night I guess I'm You're not, not. Any- <laughs> I'm not <laughs> anymore but if I were a betting man I'd say Valeno does have it in him to lock himself into this lineup the combination of age you know speed what he's shown so far I think he makes sense to have in that depth role as a as a good depth player for the Red Wings, but this is Steve Eiserman's mo. Guys have to earn it. Guys have to prove it. And until he does, it's not a certainty. You also mentioned Brad. You know, after Zadina and Rasmussen, maybe he wasn't as confident. I wonder if the Zadina contract and how that played out has affected this a little bit. I, th- that's just a, a guess, but a, there has to be a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth after the Zadina contract. Eiserman said as much. Like we had a vote of confidence in him. We gave him this medium-term deal, and then all of a sudden he doesn't want to play for us. Not that you can really compare Zadina and Valeno, the players or the people, but would that have led Eiserman to be a little bit more conservative on this one? I don't know, just a guess.
0: Yeah, this one's really hard to sort of know who pushed for for this contract. I tend to believe that there sh- is more to Joe Valeno's game than what meets the eye, and I agree with both of y- what you guys said. I think it will take... Joe, a little bit longer to ramp up at the NHL level, but you know, it's a one year prove it deal. Maybe he wanted it, maybe the team wanted it. There, like you guys said, there's a lot of depth that's quickly approaching in the rearview mirror for Joe Valeno. Yeah, I guess you know, do you sign a three year deal at a little over a million when you know the cap is going up significantly? You know, some people like that certainty. I, uh, you know, if all things work out for Joe, then his next contract should be larger. You know, he's got to have a good year.
1: Really, that's all it comes down to. He really dictates
0: what his next contract looks like.
1: And I think that's what Steve Eisman wants too. Like, yeah. okay, you want a bigger deal? Go out there and earn it. Yeah. And he has better players to play with. The, the Red Wings, even though they aren't adding more than one Alex to Brinkett at a time, and well, I'm just more and more thankful that that trade happened every day because, wow, they just needed at least something, and that was a big something. But down the lineup. A lot of folks from the outside in are looking at the Red Wings saying, well, they're only adding, you know, middling guys or depth guys or whatever it might be. And there's truth to that. But if you're Joe Valeno, someone who is hopefully centering one of the bottom six lines, you're happy that you might have Daniel Sprung on your wing, a guy who can fire at home with, you know, minimal minutes. You're happy that you might have Bergrin down there because he has too much competition in the top six. If Fabry is playing in the bottom six, if, if it's, you know, Christian Fisher, there's every year
0: for a depth guy to bet on himself. It's this year because there's finally some mostly decent depth players who could actually put the puck in the net in the bottom 6. So Joe's kind of timed this out, I don't want to say perfectly, but it's working out in his favor.
1: If it works out, this is the best way for it to work out. He still has to do the biggest thing, which is go out and prove go it. Go do the thing, yeah. Yeah. But I mean that's the NHL. If you're not at the top of the lineup, this is how you you make your way in. Yep. And I'm not saying the clock is ticking on Joe Valeno. And if he doesn't do it this year, then his NHL career is over. Or n- nothing like that at all. I think the guy does have promise ahead of him. I want to see this work out for the Red Wings. Brad mentioned, like, you like the player. I think a lot of people, most people like the player. And you want to see it work out in Detroit. So it's good. It's, it's a good opportunity for him. It, you would have hoped to have seen it solidified by now. But you know what? I'd rather this than have a complete write-off of the prospect, for example. So yeah, the opportunity is there for Valeno. He's trending in the right direction. He just needs to keep trending in the right direction and then accelerate because the competition is here. Like that bottom six, if you even wanna call it that, there are a lot of guys who are gonna be pushing for that. And it needs to start at camp. It needs to start you know, in the preseason at camp Near the beginning of the year, you have to see him make that statement. I think for that to really be a certainty, and then from there, you just keep going and make it so that yeah, Joe Valeno being in the lineup is a foregone conclusion. Now, very quickly, Joe Valeno's ceiling. I mentioned earlier that he's not projecting to be a top six player, and that was you know a very quick note. But what is Joe Valeno's hypothetical ceiling in the NHL right now? Like, let's say he does well this year, cements his spot in the lineup, continues to improve. Based on his age curve and and where he is, you know, not exactly 19 years old anymore, but he's still 23. He's got some years of development ahead of him. What does Joe Valeno project to be in a really good outcome for his development for the Red Wings?
2: I mean, he's got the toolkit and already shown a lot in the sense that he can be a really good, effective 200 foot player. He has good speed, seems to read the play pretty well excellent in transition you know not the biggest guy in the world but he's got good compete so he can overcome that I don't know best best case scenario maybe like a 2020 third line center like 20 goals 20 assists
0: yeah yeah Yeah, I was thinking half point per game however you wanted to slice and dice that
2: I think that's like a really
1: really really good outcome like that's yeah probably best case scenario yeah I
2: don't I don't think that's where he's ultimately going to land but I I think in the reality of possibilities, it's out there. Yeah. It's easy to root for Joe. So, I, I
1: mean, I think personally, you got to bring back the mojo show for Joe to uh, really get his mojo back. I'm sorry for that very cheap joke. I wasn't planning on doing that. But just saying, people want it. Bring it back, Bring back the mojo show. Let's get into contracts from across the NHL, and here's a big one. The man who has dictated his terms from pretty much the moment he was able to with the Toronto Maple Leafs, Austin Matthews, ends any speculation for at least four years, I should say. A four-year, $13.25 million contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs, the new highest AAV in the NHL right now, passing not just Connor McDavid but ahead of him just a little bit, Nathan McKinnon. 13.25, four years, Austin Matthews gets the amount of term that he wanted. He doesn't really go longer than that, even though the Leafs wanted, I think, five or more years. And he's basically setting himself up to sign another massive contract when he's 30, 31 years old. So thoughts on this deal? How does it shape the rest of the NHL
2: superstar market in the
1: future? What does this mean for the league?
2: There's always a trendsetter, and Matthews may be the one to do it and at the exact perfect time you know, with the salary cap projected to go up and the, let's be honest, the type of player that he is, his value is never going to go down. You know, he, he doesn't rely on speed. So he's a guy who at 29, 30 years old in five years when he's still kicking around the NHL is going to be a, a very, very desired player. And yeah, he, the, the bet he's basically making is that on the next contract, he gets more than 13.25 million. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, he could have just taken an eight year deal and come out ahead, which is obviously that's what the Leafs wanted. The Leafs can't be happy that he wanted only four years. And then I know I saw a lot of people ripping the Leafs going, oh, man, they only got him for four years. What was the alternative? If he said I'm signing for four years or I'm not signing, maybe you keep one of the best players in the world and just have to deal with that for the next five years. Like it's not this isn't something that's worth overthinking. You have one of the best players on the planet. He says, I want to play here, but I want to get paid again. So I'm only signing a four-year extension. We going to do that? Do we want to talk dollar amount? And they're like, all right, let's do it. Like this, you have an insanely good player. Keep him. Again, don't overthink this. Red Wings fans, we were doing backflips when we got to Brinkett for four years. And the Leafs actually have the extra year of Matthews because this contract doesn't kick in for another year still. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. Like it. It's super smart from Matthew's end. I I think more players should do this. Bet on yourself, go out, put up some numbers, get paid again. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense from the Leafs standpoint because your best player isn't leaving. Yeah, there's no way to look at this
1: for the Leafs fans' perspective other than you have one of the two, three, however you want to qualify it, best players in the world. He is going to dictate his terms. Like, that's just, it is what it is. You don't really get to squeeze and shave him down. You weren't going to get him for 11 million bucks or anywhere close to what his previous AAV was. So you just, you accept the fact that he's staying in Toronto for four more years and you roll with it. He's doing the LeBron James thing, just short contracts, ride every kind of phase of the cap as it comes up. I'm sure Matthews would have loved for this contract to finish a year or two later, in retrospect, just because of when the cap's going to go up, but he's basically saying, well, in four years, the cap is going to be $7 million higher, $8 million higher, $10 million higher, whatever it is cumulatively. And that's when he wants to capitalize again. There is a flip side to it, though. You know, it, it, I, I said it, LeBron James, the NBA, though it is a physical sport and they, they get injured and things can go away. And we've seen big contracts in the NBA get turned down. And all of a sudden a guy you know, has hip surgery. and He's never the same player. It's not the same as hockey. And Matthews has his wrist or hand things and, you know, you take those short-term deals and you bet on yourself. That's well and good, but that's a lot of money to go away if you, you know, have a catastrophic injury. And in the sport of hockey, sometimes that's completely outside of your control. A lot of the times it is. So I will say I, I do like it from a player empowerment perspective of, yeah, get your bag, get paid, get what you're worth. But I don't begrudge guys who go for the eight-year deals with a little bit more certainty because, you know, then they're taking care of themselves and they're not scared. Well, not that they're going out there trying to get hurt, but if they get hurt, it doesn't mean, oh, wow, I just lost $50 million in future earnings.
0: Yeah, I think Austin Matthews is in a bit of a unique situation where I think regardless of how the next five years go, Arizona will have a blank check ready for him anyway. If it even gets to if he even gets to free agency, which yeah, I think if in five years the Leafs still haven't made any progress in their Cup pursuit, it's probably time to move on. And then Arizona signs him just in time to break ground on their new arena in four years. Yeah, call me crazy, but I think this all (laughs) makes a lot of sense. (laughs) (laughs) But no, like Toronto's paying him a slight increase. They probably don't like the term, but like I said, if things in five, if the Leafs have not. Progress significantly in the playoffs in the next four years. It's probably time to move on. I bet Austin awesome Matthews and the team feel the same way. So I quite like this contract. Like what you guys said, the player gets what they want. The team mostly, and the team gets Matthews for five years. So really, I I don't think anyone's licking their wounds after this negotiation.
1: I don't. I didn't see a lot of it. But there were some folks who were trying to find a way to to dunk on the Leafs for this, and I was like, you know what? What a great problem. Would to you be. want to be in Toronto for
0: eight years po- after this season, like eight plus or one plus eight
1: years? Oh, you're saying from the player's perspective?
0: Yeah, like people who make comments online need to put themselves in the in those shoes once in a while, and uh, I know nobody can really do that with professional athletes, but <laughs> certainly you, know, you can. Yes. Yeah. Yes, certainly, <laughs> certainly, yes. Uh, uh, the number of people who thought I was Shea Weber last night was not zero. Yeah, it was greater than
1: <laughs> greater than one. So,
0: yeah, I, like I said, in five years, everyone's going to probably be sick of each other if there's no subna- substantial progress
2: for the, for the Leafs. So, yeah, people online are just outrageous. I didn't see Matthews getting any of the hate online. It was all directed to the Leafs. The Leafs, yeah. Yeah, oh, my God, you only got him for four years, you should have locked him up forever. Completely believes to the fact that the player gets a say in this negotiation. The best thing that came out of this though, was the Beaverton article. Uh, the title was Uh brilliant hockey mind dunks on Leafs for keeping their best player. <laughs> It's that's <laughs> genuinely it though. Like, man, s-
0: the internet should have told True Living that he can sign Austin Matthews for eight years. He would have loved that piece of information. Oh uh, darn it! Yeah. They
1: were just a few days too late. They should have paid us. We yeah. could have uh, elevated from being such a, a lowly podcast. You know what? It's it's really funny to see people dunk on teams for doing this, and it's like this is what leverage is. This is what these guys craft their entire lead up. I'm talking superstars lead up to unrestricted free agency for, this is what it was always going to be. Like, I don't think very many people who you know are in the business of knowing how these contract negotiations go and, and working with cap structures, I think the shock would have been if it was eight years. So yeah, this is kind of just the way it was always going to settle. It does make you look at the situation Edmonton's in and say, wow, in two years, they have dry settle, who's on an eight and a half million dollar deal, which is was amazing at the time and is just like the steel of the NHL right now. That's the the new age McKinnon. And then a year after that, McDavid's $12.5 million contract runs out. So, yeah, the cap's going to be going up quite a bit in that time. So, Edmonton has timed that well. But Not they, to steal the, uh,
0: a perfect segue, but they're going to have to pay Evan Bouchard as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, because they had to bridge him. 3.9 for, for two years. He's the meme with the guy behind the... The the
0: tree, yeah, rubbing, rubbing his, his,
1: hands. his hands, looking at that Darnell Nurse contract. Oh God, he's. They're doing what they can right now, Edmonton. But there's gonna be some. There's gonna have to be some surgery there.
2: I want Connor McDavid on just to go on a quick tangent so badly to actually hit the open market. Because I'd be I'd be super fascinated to see what that process is like. Because. It's not even AAV at that point. It's no, just he he will he will get max contract. He'll get whatever he wants. Yeah. He, yeah. He like the terms will be every team, almost every single team in the NHL would line up, go, yes, we will pay you the maximum amount allowable. You want it all in signing bonuses, done. Full no trade, done. Every team in the league would agree to that. And then he'd just literally sit at a table like it's the bachelor. Yeah, legit, it's just like all right. I'm gonna pick which one of you I want to play for because it it literally might be the first contract negotiation in hockey history where money's irrelevant. Because it's, it's all Chicago? the same offer,
0: he's like, I want to play with Connor Bedard.
2: Don't first would of you all die. Di-
1: it, yes, <laughs> yeah, that would be terrible. But we're getting too far ahead of ourselves here. The Stamkos contract was the closest thing I think we had to that because I think once Stamkos was the only place Stamkos didn't really have the money he was looking for. Was in Tampa, and you put taxes into the equation. And then Tampa was a lot closer than what people actually uh, think. But yeah, that was Stamkos wasn't being courted with big contracts. The money and the term was going to be there. It was they were courting him with the city and the team that they were going to give him. And McDavid would be that times a million. And he
2: settled on Florida, man. Well, it's not
0: good for Edmonton because the GM who attempted to court Steven Stamkos. (laughs) Didn't even get in the room with him, no, made no. all these big brain galaxy moves to accommodate him Is the GM of the Edmonton Oilers.
1: <laughs> Speaking of Edmonton, they just let go of former Red Wings director of amateur scouting, Tyler Wright. So his time in Detroit obviously ended the same time as Ken Holland's. And uh, he went with Ken Holland over to Edmonton and his time there has ended. So Edmonton's, I don't want to say they're doing soul searching. I mean, you have McDavid and dry saddle, you're always going to be good, but. They're, make, they, they're making necessary changes right now, I think. And the clock is running out to do them because their best players are going to get even more expensive very soon. One last thing on on the Matthews deal. I'm sorry to bring us back, but I've said this on the podcast before and I will I know it's probably annoying to hear, but if you were going to try to litigate how Dubas performed in Toronto, one of the biggest knocks against him is how he allowed all the leverage to disappear with the Marner and Matthews contracts. I understand that I just said earlier in this episode is your superstars have all the leverage inherently, but when they're restricted free agents, you do have some, and you have to try to get something. You won't get as much as you know what Ken Holland got on the Dylan Larkin deal when he was still an RFA. Of course, you're you're not going to manage that because that's a different level of player, But Matthews walked himself right to unrestricted free agency and then got exactly the deal he wanted, obviously, an unrestricted free agency because it's unrestricted. And to me, this is things aren't cheap for the Leafs right now. And this started years and years and years ago.
0: Well, the next big move for them now is William Nylander. And uh, when you see nobody else taking a discount and lining themselves up perfectly for continual raises, and I would argue William Nylander was one of the best players in the playoffs for them. Uh, he's, <laughs> I don't think there'll be a hometown discount being applied to his next contract.
1: Come to hockey town, Willie. Re, uh, reinvigorate the Swedish presence in hockey town. It's needed. Another big deal that got signed in the NHL. And this one was actually, I thought it was pretty interesting. was the Brandon Hagel deal. Obviously still a young player, 25. Oh, 25 today. Happy birthday, Brandon Hagel. Uh, Just signed a eight-year deal with Tampa Bay at $6.5 million per year. So I know a lot of people kind of jumped when they saw that AAV. It's a a big number for Hagel. And uh, folks wouldn't have thought that he'd be the kind of guy to get it. But, you know, he is a 30-goal scorer as of last season. And they are buying his best years. When I saw it, I, I didn't think it was a cheap contract. But I was like, no, they're getting his prime or whatever's left of it. He's part of their... know, next version of their core moving forward. And I think this is a reflection of how much the cap is going to go up, which it's, this is imminent. It's right around the corner. I don't
2: know. What'd you guys think of the deal? I don't know what to think about the deal because I don't know how sustainable Brandon Hagel is. And my gut's telling me very, because obviously Tampa gave up two first round picks to get him. So they, they liked something in him. From the moment he walked through that front door. And they paid a huge premium in trade assets to acquire him. So it shouldn't be surprising that he did, you know, break out in Tampa and then command a huge contract. So it all makes sense to me, I think.
0: He's kind of just had a meteoric rise. And they, the team obviously loves him and sees him as a, a long-term fixture in their roster. So, you know, if if he's one of your guys, you, you lock it up. And, you know, everyone always keeps saying the cap's going to go up. So these contracts eat up less percentage of the overall team cap. So, Which
1: is actually what matters in terms of cap hit.
0: Exactly. So who really cares at the end of the day?
1: Yeah, seeing $52 million next to Brandon hangel's name is like, well, we, we time skipped a little bit here. Yeah. You blinked and, wow, I have a lot of gray hairs all of a sudden. And then uh, Alexi Lafreniere, that saga is continuing for to two more years so far, two years, $2.325 million. Funny spot that the Rangers and Lafreniere are in, you know, they don't want to pay him a lot more than that because I don't know that he's shown a lot more than that, but they don't want to give up on the player because I mean, that's just so much potential talent that I don't know if you're in the camp of you believe it's still there. You think he's a bust compared to a first overall pick, which obviously he's, I think, firmly in that territory without, he's still a good NHL player or can be but he's not first overall pick setting records like we he, we thought he would. But yeah, the, the Rangers are in a funny spot with him. I think this contract is reflective of that, so the actual deal itself isn't too surprising, but something's got to give here eventually, and I guess they have two years to figure that out. That
2: draft was three years ago. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> Speaking of time skips, holy. Mm-hmm. My God. Yeah, I mean, this contract was not going to go any other way. The Rangers are making a smart bet here because I think – 90% of hockey people believe that Lafreniere's got more to give. Like this isn't him plateaued and the Rangers are going to get two years of this dollar amount. So if he does pop off this year, hey, they get a bonus year of uh, him being good for cheap. And if it goes absolutely sideways, well, it's not enough money that anybody's going to really care. Funny enough, that is a direct analog to the Phillips Adina contract. Pretty much, yep.
1: I'm sure New York's hoping it goes uh, a little bit different. Yeah, 2020. That's amazing.
2: Uh, like, I remember covering that draft way more in depth in my memory than I do 21 or 22. Yeah. Well, well, that's what Lafreniere was supposed to be, right? And
1: obviously, so far, folks, including us, and I think, like you said, Brad, most, if not all, the hockey world was wrong about him. But you see Lafreniere and you see Kako and and how that has all turned out in New York and there's just too much talent there in my mind for this to be it for Lafreniere. Mind you, I want to qualify this by saying I hang on to what a prospect or a young player could be for far too long. Like that is absolutely one of my sins in terms of hockey prospecting and, and analyzing players. Like I am so loath to say, yes, this guy just isn't what we thought he'd be. Not for every player, but for guys with that much talent. I'm like, there's just too much there. But genuinely, as you watch Lafreniere and Junior, you're like, no, this seems like the real deal. And I think a lot of the hockey world still has that hope, whether it's misled or naive.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, you look at the situation in New York, like Lafreniere hasn't played power play there. Like his point totals, you know, modest though they are, are all even strength. If you tack on 15 to 20 power play points a season versus what he's done, all of a sudden it doesn't look that bad. It's just that's the situation he's in. Again, and the Rangers aren't oblivious to that. Lafreniere is not oblivious to that. They know the situation. They know the deal. So, again, much like the Valeno situation, we're just going to do short term and cheap here. Uh, I'm guessing the Rangers really push for that second year because they likely are pretty confident he'll break out and they want to get some value while they're in the cup window. Okay.
1: That is a look at some contracts from across the NHL. We are getting really close to the season starting here. So it's not really surprising that we're seeing some business cleaned up. If any more comes down the pipeline, we'll obviously cover it. Uh, but for now, we are going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by manscaped.com, the global men's lifestyle brand that's disrupting the beard market. Hockey and beards are synonymous, and if you followed us for a while, you know that Evan and I take great pride in our beards while Brad does his best Crosby impression. Now finally, Manscaped is launching a beard trimming and styling routine. Now what I have here is the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Your facial hair really sets the tone for the entire postseason, whether you're contending for the cup or sticking it to your old school GM. The Beard Hedger trimmer has a powerful 7200 RPM motor and titanium coated T-blade that can cut through the thickest of hair in a single stroke. Whether you prefer a five o'clock shadow or a lion's mane, you can choose from 20 different hair cutting lengths with the zoom wheel that only uses one guard. The beard trimmer is waterproof, cordless, and rechargeable, so you can trim in the shower to save time and create less mess. Manscaped also created dermatologist-tested beard care products to help you grow and nourish a magnificent beard. The Beard Hedger Pro Kit includes the Beard Hedger, Beard Shampoo, Beard Conditioner, Beard Oil, Beard Balm, the Travel Case, and a free gift. To get all that and more, simply go to manscaped.com today and get 20% off plus free shipping when you use promo code WWP at checkout. That's 20% off plus free international shipping with promo code WWP at manscaped.com. Join over 8 million men worldwide, including us three, who trust Manscaped today. Well, what better time than the offseason to take stock? And that's what Corey Promen on The Athletic has done He's taken a look at NHL pipeline rankings for the best prospects and players that are under 23 across the league. We'll link to it in the description of this episode. Give that article a read. As always, the Athletic, uh, his work, Max Boltman's work, uh, worth the price of admission. So Detroit came in eighth in these rankings, wherein 22 year old and under players are evaluated, and basically they're taking a look forward as to what team is best positioned with their young cores and with their young prospects to be actual good teams in the future. So it's a lens forward and Detroit came in eighth and that's good. That's you know, more than the top third of the league. You would hope that Detroit with as much high drafting as they've done over the years, they'd be at least that much. So, you you know, it's not terrible. Uh, it's not the best of course, but where it does get interesting is that the teams ahead of Detroit. Let me know if you see a theme here from seven upwards Ottawa, Montreal, Columbus, New Jersey, Buffalo, Chicago, Anaheim. That is one, two, three Atlantic Division foes and add in two more teams that are in the Eastern Conference. So yes, Detroit has a good young core of players 22 and under, led by Mo Sider. You Sider. Know, they've added Danielson, Sandine Pelica, Trey Augustine, etc. They are looking good moving forward the teams they're competing with the most are at least in lockstep as per this
2: evaluation. What do you make of it? I think it highlights where the Red Wings are in the rebuild. And I know that sounds overly simplistic, but we've talked about it. The Red Wings, as they're currently constructed and as they are currently projected, are likely to be very good, but not Stanley Cup worthy. And given that they're eighth, with three divisional foes ahead of them probably is the perfect encapsulation of good, but not getting a Stanley Cup out of it. Like we we know the Red Wings have to add pieces once yeah. this core establishes themselves. And I think it's, you know, as you mentioned earlier, we're always like, you know, too bullish on prospects. So it's it's probably worth a little bit of, you know, pessimism here to say that's if this prospect core panzo, there's a very strong reality that doesn't happen Uh, statistically no team has every single prospect pan out exactly plain and simple yeah exactly and the red wings have so many good prospects that if like 70 to 80 percent of them of the key prospects hit they're probably still fine again albeit not a cup contender but they're probably still fine and then they can build around that but yeah they have work to do and we we can you know piss and moan about not winning draft lotteries all we want, and people can sit here and go, yeah, wine, wine, wine. That's excuses, but that is why they are where they are in these standings. You look at all the teams ahead of them. Ottawa's got a Tim Stutzla. You know Montreal's got a Uri Slavkovsky. Buffalo's got a million first overall picks. The Devils have Jack Hughes. The Ducks have you know however many top five picks. That's the difference, and you take stock of where the Red Wings are and Corey himself said this in a follow-up podcast to this article where he weights players who are in the NHL heavier than prospects because they've proven they can do it at that level. Yeah. You know, not saying that Connor Bedard's not going to be better than Jack Hughes. He's probably going to be better than Jack Hughes, but Jack Hughes has gotten heart votes in the NHL. That's a big statement. I want to say like Connor Bedard has everything to be, but that's still
1: a big statement.
2: No, it is. But like just kind of in terms of Waiting and yeah. again, relative to where the Red Wings are in their rebuild, this team is shockingly old. The only two players on the active NHL roster that qualify for this were Mo Sider and Lucas Raymond. Mm-hmm. And yeah, obviously we know the pipeline, Casper, Edmondson, Danielson, Cindy Pelika Kosa, Mazur. There is so much to be excited for, but they haven't hit yet. They still have to hit. None of them. None of them are NHLers. None of them are good NHLers. None of them are great NHLers. And for the Red Wings to be above eighth in the you know, future rankings or to be above eighth in the NHL once this core is established, multiple of them have to be great players, not just good. You know, if Nate Danielson and Marco Casper both peak at like really, really good third-line centers, this team ain't making the playoffs. If Simon Edmondson is anything less than a top-four good you know, defenseman top four defense like man. a good top four defenseman. this team ain't making the playoffs, you know, at least they have Augustine and Sebastian Costa. They only need one of them to hit goal is the whole thing. but i I think this is a very fair ranking of where the Red Wings are at they're They have way more depth in the pipeline than almost every team in the league, but they do not have the top end talent. There are still so many question marks whereas a team like Buffalo has so many certainties. Owen Power doing it in the NHL. You know, Dylan Cousins doing it in the NHL. Samuelson, Jack Quinn. You can run down the list. Paterka. These guys are all in the NHL playing well. We have two. And everything else behind that's a question mark.
1: I'm going to do the optimistic side of this. Because I think you laid that out really well. That was was honest and objective. Genuinely. The optimistic side of this. And this isn't contrived optimism. I want to say that this is genuinely how I feel when I look at this. I think the exact same things as Brad just laid out. It's not an argument against Brad, but before we hit record here, we were having a conversation about, you know, this topic. And I said, the, what gives me ease is, and it's crazy to say this about the NHL because it's such a molasses league, but what gives me ease is how much things can change in the NHL so quickly. First of all, winning begets winning, which is counterintuitive with, with the way the draft lottery works, or when you're bad, you have a better chance of getting the top picks. But In terms of attracting big name free agents, you know, getting guys to sign on better deals, selling yourself as a market, winning does beget winning. And once Detroit does start to put together a better team, better results, that is kind of going to be the honey that's going to sweeten the pot for those guys. You know, we can laugh and make the joke about, oh, William Nylander, come on over next year. If this is three, four years down the road, then that's a lot less of a joke and probably more realistic. But I digress. Secondly, I think with how the Red Wings are constructed, yeah, you're right, Brad. These players have to hit, and they a lot of them have to hit. They can't afford to miss on very many of them. And it's because they've missed on too many previous first round picks. And, you know, you were saying before we hit record here, second round picks also is going to be a it could be a big anchor for the team. But there's still an opportunity for these players to hit in a bigger way than what we maybe initially would have thought. Who's the poster child for that right now is Carter Mazer. Like we weren't expecting to get a a Tyler Bertuzzi type player or that archetype so soon after Bertuzzi left and Carter Mazer has been doing that since day one so I think there's there's still a lot of opportunity for change I think a rising cap is going to change things quite a bit there's going to be some shuffling around locking yourself into one lane of thinking just based on what the situation is statically right now I think will always make things look bleak if you're in a rebuild always unless you're Chicago with Connor Bedard or Buffalo, who I think is unfortunate that it's such an exceptional example in the Atlantic division, but they are an exceptional example of everything coming together at the same time. Those are, those are the the, the extremes in general. I think if you're in the middle of a rebuild, it's always going to look bleak and you just have to take those small steps and then, you know, close your eyes, open them again in a couple of years and you realize how much better things are.
0: I mean, people will be happy that the Red Wings are in the top eight in terms of uh, pipeline and then there'll be people who are saying yes, but... Look at the other teams above us, and how many of those players or prospects in that you know pool are already in the NHL. So it's it's a big you know realized versus unrealized list right now for me. I'm I always say I don't care what a prospect does until they play in the NHL, and then I'll really see what they're like. And I I hold that fact I hold that sentiment with the Red Wings as well until Nate Danielson and et cetera, et cetera, play a game in the NHL. I don't really care what they do. It's, uh, it's
2: all maybes to that point. It's
0: until I see what game they've got at the professional level. It's nice to see them light up the leagues they play in. You know, it it, it you know gets you excited, but I need to see professional games and see them playing against NHL level players before I start
1: uh, getting my seat out for the parade. It's going to have to change. You're not wrong. It is absolutely going to have to change. And I don't mean like clean out house and change everything, but you're going to have to add and build on what you have by quite a bit. Now, they have started. Duprenka has come in. We've talked about that one until we've been blue in the face, and we'll probably continue to do it because that's the nature of being on a podcast twice a week. But that was an exceptional situation wherein the guy wanted to come home. But you take them as you can get them. And that's what the Red Wings did. So there's probably going to need to be a couple more big situations like that. And if you ask me, well, what do you you mean? Like, who do you want to bring in? What position? What player? By what means? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know. And anyone who tells you that they know exactly the solution is either able to give you the winning lottery numbers for the next billion dollar Powerball or whatever, or they're lying to you because that's the nature of the NHL. You just can't see that far into the future. But I think both of you are right, Brad, especially... It has to change because the teams around them have just done too much
2: more. I don't think it has to change. Change isn't the right word. Well, I never picked the right word. It's That's why incom- I'm here. It's incomplete. Yeah. Yeah. The, the core better. is of prospects is there. That doesn't have to change. That's we, what I mean. Yeah. We, we like these out. prospects. Yeah. I, I, I think we are more likely that most of 70 to 80% of them hit versus don't. Again, both realities are possible. But they alone, as they are projected now, even if it goes well, are not going to be enough. You have to, like, you look at this too, because the other big, not big, but issue I was running into is the fact that this team is coming out of a rebuild, hit the gas pedal, and there's probably going to be no rookies on the team this year, which is a problem. Again, you can look at, go back and revisionist history to go through all the reasons that led up to this, and a lot of it is extenuating circumstances, but... Zero rookies. Edmondson might still be in Grand Rapids. Casper might be in Grand Rapids. Mazer. One of them could surprise. Two of them could surprise, but that but then that does kick back their ELCs. So, you know, your tired thinking is maybe they were lure William Nylander here. Wired thinking in five years is getting Austin Matthews oh, when this team's hit and go. I thought you were gonna
1: say Elias Petterson.
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. Think bigger. Ryan. This team is five years away from competing, realistically. I don't see a reality where they're For two
0: trading. years, Connor McDavid.
1: That's
2: right. Yeah. Three. Three Connor McDavid. No, no, you trade from early is what yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's it. right. That's right. You
0: get the <laughs> negotiating rights early. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there we go. Oh, we're off the rails. It's something like that probably realistically has to happen because, you know, if Edmondson hit but Sandine Pelica doesn't. If Danielson hits but Casper doesn't, if Mazer hits, like you've got enough there to work with mm-hmm. in, in the uh, important positions. But if you're starting to talk 50% of these guys are not turning into established parts of the core, you know, then they have a much bigger problem. I don't think it matters what you do at that point because you can't with this in a solid cap world, you can't buy your team anymore. You can't just go sign McDavid, Matthews, et cetera, because you run out of money and all of a sudden Evans playing on the third line. Like hell yeah. But that, that's why it's kind of important. I know it's more boring, but it's almost important to talk, more important to talk in generalities right now. Mm-hmm. Because we don't know the specifics of what this team is going to look like in four to five years, as, which is when it's going to matter. Okay, some other quick notes here. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings
1: released their prospect tournament roster that's happening from September 14th to 17th in Traverse City. Obviously, exciting times for the Red Wings because their prospects, as we just talked about, is nearly the entirety of what is going to dictate how this team does in the future. Forwards, Riley Sawchuk, Nate Danielson, Carter Mazer, Matias Malofsky, Dean Lucas, Alexander Doucette, who very excited to watch. Emmett Finney, Cross Hannis, Amadeus Lombardi, Israel, uh, Mayan Scum, Nick Sima, Elmer Soderblum, Jake Uberti, Marco Casper, Andy, Andrew Gibson, Antti Tomisto, William Melinder, Connor Punnett, Finn Harding, Jackson D'Souza, Tanias Mathurin, and in net, Sebastian Cosa, Jan Bednash, and Lucas Matecha. So there's some big names in there. I think this is going to be, obviously, you're going to care about how Marco Casper is and you're going to watch Molinder, and that's, you know, those, Nate Danielson, those kind of guys are going to be the highlight. I'm interested to see how uh, Alexander Doucette does here. It'll be our first look at him with some peers. Not NHL level across the board, but some peers to see is that massive scoring streak from the queue going to translate into the North American game. That'd be a fun bonus.
2: I am more curious to see Amadeus Lombardi in this tournament, just yeah. because I think he's a more likely bet than Doucette to pan out, although Doucette is exciting. And I know they have to fill out these rosters, but you can't convince me half those names you read out are real. Yeah. Well, that's that's just the nature of how these things There's go. no way. Like some of these.
1: Yeah. No that, chance.
2: That's the that, that's all of these these tournaments they always add in guys that you've never heard of. It's not even that they heard of. The names just sound like they were generated in uh, by that. Uh, what was it? Sleeve McDycola. Yeah. Like the we're, baseball generator. We're one step removed from Bobson Dugnut at this point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. And uh, just a quick note here. On the Jamie Daniels Foundation and the roast and toast last night, it was obviously a phenomenal event. You know, there was the banquet before the the roast and toast that actually happened at Soundboard at Motor City Casino in Detroit. First of all, hats off to the entire team with the Jamie Daniels Foundation. I know Katie does a lot of amazing work putting that together that event, as, as well as so many other people. Best event that we've been to for the foundation, and holy hell, my sides from laughing! Steve Ott has the perfect combination of being like just a good old hockey butte and delivering jokes like no one else. Like that was hysterical.
0: And he had to go first, which is always sort of the sacrificial lamb position. It's like, hey, you're setting everybody up, you know, getting the crowd going. That's a tough spot to be in. And he is certainly not a comedian. Uh, by trade, but I thought he did a great job.
1: No. And you know what they all did? We did not stop laughing the entire time. Yeah. It was so funny. I was already like nearly in tears. And then the Mike Babcock jokes came out and I was like. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) There was, you know, with the auction itself. And then there was a paddle raising just to make outright donations to the foundation. The amount of generosity shown by the entire crowd was unbelievable. The amount of support and. You know, the Illich family matching donations was... Dollar for dollar. Yeah, was incredible. It moved you. It really moved you. Something I want to call out, uh, the multiple Red Wings were there. You know, it was great to see Larkin there. Ben Sherratt was there. Jeff Petrie, new Red Wing.
0: Alex Sabrinkit, he didn't even have to be there. Like, he's the new guy in town, doesn't have to get involved, but he's at these charity events. He's already part of, you know, donating to the foundation. That was something I, was an observation I made last night. And I think that says a lot about Alex Debrinket as a person.
1: Yeah. Seeing Debrinket, Petrie, like just new to the team, obviously are are, are local to the area, but for them to show up and show support right away was, yeah, that was very, very cool to see. So, you know, there was a, there was a ton of, you know, NHLers and folks around the league there and, A really great crowd. and everyone was very gracious with their time. Yeah. You know, Nick's not exactly Nick Litstrom's not exactly like walking around every room just chatting everyone's ears off. So I think that was really great of him to to take that time and Homer as well was just having a blast the whole time. Yeah, Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And by the time they were up on stage, they were just loving it.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Swedes are always very like calm demeanor. They only give you as many words as they are. Very absolutely. efficient. Yeah, they're very efficient in their conversation. <laughs> so when they were sort of, you know, go, uh, when Lidstrom and Holmstrom are going back and forth, roasting and toasting each other, it was, it was kind of cool to them to break down that wall a little bit.
1: Watch that dynamic. Yeah. Whenever yeah. you get like a, just a relaxed look into these guys and how they are. I mean, anyone who's been in a hockey dressing room knows how hockey players are with each other. But yeah. then, you know, these are the players that you grew up idolizing and watching and covering and you're like, you pull back the curtain a little bit and it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. It was such a great event and uh, I can't wait for the next one. I'm sure it'll continue to build on the su- success it yeah. had uh, yesterday. Yeah.
1: And congratulations again to the foundation and thank you to everyone who who came out. We had uh, four patrons sitting at our table with us and it was really, really wonderful to see everyone there. So wonderful night. Okay. Speaking of patrons, let's jump into overtime here. Overtime is our segment where we take questions and comments at the end of the show largely from our patreon supporters patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast if you want to support the show you get access to our patreon exclusive discord as well as our overtime bonus episodes which record right after these main ones additionally during the off season midweek episodes are patreon exclusive a little bit of a different format where we record some more evergreen episodes and, and tackle some different topics also you're automatically entered into all of our giveaways last season we gave away two tickets to every red wings home game the vast majority of them going to our Patreon supporters and we'll be doing the exact same thing this year. So again, patreon.com slash wingedwheelpodcast if you want to join the DubDub Club. Dana DeRoos says, Hello, DubDub's first-time patron, long-time listener. Dana, thank you so much for your support and welcome to the Dub Dub Club. They say, First, I'd like to say thank you for what you do with the Jamie Daniels Foundation. I lost my sister to substance abuse two years ago, so it was really cool to see you guys do so much with them. Uh, first Dana, um, thank you for the kind words and, and so terribly sorry to, um, hear about your loss. And, you know, whenever we get messages like this, it just reinforces the importance of of the awareness and the kind of work that the entire community does for this foundation. Dana's question is, uh, is there any way we can get you fools over here to Traverse City, Michigan for the prospect tournament slash training camp? Well, I mean, it's a broken record at this point, because every year we plan for next year, and this year, <laughs> this year, Evan and I thoroughly torched that plan.
0: I, next year will be different, we promise. We,
1: we, I am telling you, I am not getting married again. This is the only time yeah. I'm doing it in my life. I don't have it in me to do this twice, and so next year, but I want to yeah.
0: go so bad.
1: Yeah, we have, uh, Evan and I did the whole wedding thing, and the timing couldn't have been less perfect for this. Yep. But it was either this or smack dab in the middle of like the start of the season, and that would have been...
0: Best we can do is go to Grand Rapids.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll have to uh, cover it that way. Uh, no Child says, what Red Wings or other jerseys do you have in the back of your closet that make you reflect or lament over missed opportunities or what might have been? I have a Yurko jersey and an autographed Brendan Smith jersey that make me sigh when I see them hanging in my storage closet. What could have been? Man, I don't... You have the Athanasiu one. That's about as close as I get, Yeah. Yeah. I, it takes me a long time to buy a jersey. I will tell you, I almost bought a Danny DeKaiser jersey back in the day, and that's the ultimate, like, what could have been in this era. But I've seen a lot of people with, like, Mantha jerseys. The Verona jerseys probably hurt. There's probably a good amount of Verona jerseys out there. Hmm. Coyote season tickets in anywhere but Tempe says, who are you looking forward to seeing the most at rookie uh, tournament in Traverse City next month? Yeah. I mentioned Doucette, you know, Brad mentioned Lombardi. There's a few different ways you can go with this. I think, I mean, Sebastian Kosa, right? Pretty much any test of Sebastian Kosa that you can see is, is a good one. What about Will Linder though? You know, he's really burst onto the scene as one of the more promising Red Wings defensive prospects. And could he leapfrog the guys ahead of him it could potentially happen. And if it were to, like, this would start at the prospect tournament. Obviously, the moment they are able to kind of get any kind of NHL ice of any sort. So Cross Hannes, too, is worth calling out. Very skilled player who's had ups and downs in terms of his prospect progression, but does he break through with a big year? I mean, I'm just naming all the guys now, but Nate Danielson. Any look at Nate Danielson, I'll obviously be thrilled with. Ariel Rojo says, did anyone have a better joke at the roaster toast than Brad's face? Got him. I oh, know. Unfortunately, Brad uh, Brad was uh, unable to make it this time, but the next time, obviously, he'll make it out. Uh, says, but for real, did anyone catch you off guard and was funnier than you expected? Cheers. Well, we mentioned Aught. They were all hilarious, though. Yeah, in their own way, they were all funny. Ian Bag is a professional comedian, and so you expect him to be funny. And it was just like start to end. You just don't stop laughing. And like the kind of hysterical laughter where you can hear other people in the crowd. They can't breathe. Yeah. He was I don't good. think
0: there was really anyone who caught me off guard. There were just some really good jokes.
1: Drapes is like this is just his element.
0: Yeah. He clearly was relishing this moment.
1: Yeah. Moritz Sider says, suppose that Detroit is so good this year that they end up being buyers. Who are some players that you think they should target at the deadline? William Nylander. <laughs> <laughs> well, if <laughs> he's being moved on the cheap.
0: So many things change leading up yeah. to the trade deadline. What teams are in, what teams are out, what players are in good form, what what ones are not. So
1: all right. One more question here, and then we'll wrap this one up a little bit early. Uh Dan DeVries says, just bought our first house. Hey, congratulations. And my wife gave me the go-ahead to turn the basement into a bit of a man cave with sports memorabilia decorating the walls. My family of Avs fans immediately started talking about framed McKinnon slash McCarr jerseys, which I quickly shot down. <laughs> Smart. What cool Detroit stuff would you guys get in this situation? Within reason, an autographed Gordie Howe jersey would be cool, but I don't make Evan level money. Ah, none of us do. And yet I'm the one with the Gordie Howe autographed jersey. That's right. So, Dan, I suggest you mug Brad. <laughs> That'd be a great start. Oh, any jersey that you can throw up there. I really like uh, displays of sticks. Like, I, I saw one having sticks through the years, like really, really old wooden sticks. And as it became modern, they had the two piece, like composite blade, they had the synergy and then they had something they were all player sticks.
2: Yeah. I'm not going to get into items specific stuff because there's a million ways you can go about that. But the one thing, so I'm kind of in the same boat where I got the downstairs rec room at our new house and I started throwing some stuff up on the wall just so it didn't look plain while I finish some of the work I want to do in that room. But make sure you're aware of like filling space and leaving other space blank just because like you want to be very aware of what your eyes are going to be drawn to. Like I've got a really cool plan that once I get a lot more free time, so this might not happen for a year or two. Uh I didn't I want a bunch of my jerseys to go on the wall, but I didn't want to go spend like a thousand dollars on frames for like four jerseys. Where you basically we're gonna build a shelf near the roof, just big enough so that I can get some smaller items along the top of it, but then have The jerseys hung in sequence and so it's like one whole big display right when you walk into the room Mm -hmm. and it hides the hangers really well. So it just it's just a row of jerseys overlapping, which is gonna which is gonna look really sick. Just just something like that. It doesn't have to be super expensive or creative, but like if done right, you can really, really come up with some cool displays.
1: All right. And with that, we're gonna wrap up this episode. I know it's a little bit shorter, but we are still kind of getting back to a hundred percent after the excellent night at the roast and toast. And we're going to prepare for, you know, our midweek and then next weekend's episode. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Appreciate you listening to the show. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you're a listener of old, I can't say thank you enough to all of our patrons. It means the world that you, you support us on Patreon. For those of you who want to patreon.com slash wing podcast, if you can't or aren't interested in supporting that way, but still want to help the show out, leave a rating wherever you listen, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, hit the subscribe button and share it with a friend. It helps us quite a bit. To all of our name level supporters on Patreon, thank you so much. Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Akefer, Samuel Soderholm, Raymond's Missing Tooth, Icon, Brad's Lord and Savior, Bradley Cleveland, Glenn Brabham, Everybody Loves Raymond, Sea Lion, Keenan O'Donohue, Yanni Burgers, Meals on Wheels, Matthew M. Rice, Croner's Left Knee, Admiral Matt S. of the Cheesebag Navy, Buck the Suckeyes, Carl Brutina Nanoluski, Carzone 13, Citizen High Five, Clip Clop Nay Nay, Connor Scovey, Cooking with Kosa, Coyote Season Tickets in Anywhere but Tempe, Craig Kibble, Denny's Gamer Girl, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Exquisitine Bublé Schwinslow, Give Blood Fight Probert, Hockey Town Love, Hockey Town Matt, Hassam Al Kassem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Joel Miranda, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Marcus, Marlon Winchester, Matt McKay, Michael Edland, New Extra Cheesy Cheesebag, Pro Brain Deblage, Brad, RA, Red Three, Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Scree and Lube. That's What I Appreciates About You, Wallman's Elite Dancing D, Plan Stan, General Andy Bohan of the Cheesebag Army, Sam Bankson, Adam Rose, Big Cheese, Brad Simmons, Brian Vasha, Captain Antonio Gracias of the United Federation of Cheesebags, Chuck Buffchest, the Tarpless Goon, Commander Ben Barron of the Cheesebag Space Force, Connor, Connor Leighton, Corey Prida, Danny Daniels, <laughs> Darren Fick, Frank Stanley, Gene Sullivan, Griffey Boy, Henrik Robert Deeks, Instructions Unclear, Cheesebag No Longer Fresh, James Laporte, James Pridemore, Jeremiah Adobo, JM Rhapsody, John Evans Derogatory, John Ingalls, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Linda Hull, Matt K Cannon Fodder of the Cheesebag Army, Maximilian, Max Boltman's Secret Gruff Sparty Tattoo, Melissa Erickson, Nora Sider, Ophelia, Steven, Tatar Sauce, The Hodeg, The Hat 123, Winging It in San Diego, Wings Fan in Alaska, your second favorite patron. Thank you all so very much. We'll talk to you next week.